When you get to be old, <clears throat> sometimes you get confused. I signed up to sign to pray at 7 o'clock on our prayer advance day, and I prayed last Saturday instead of next Saturday. What do you do? <laughs> pray twice? <laughs> I also want to commend Brother Bill. Now, you know, when we're enjoying visiting each other, some cantankerous and honorary elder gets up and makes us stop. But Bill did it the right way today. He said, let's return to our seats. I always wonder what goes on in the minds of those elders who say, let's all find our seats, because I've never lost mine. <laughs> you did it right, brother. <clears throat> the city of Jerusalem was crowded, people jostling shoulder to shoulder. The hillsides around Jerusalem were crowded with tents and makeshift lean-tos as Jews from every nation under heaven who could possibly do so had made it to Jerusalem for the week of the Passover. And sooner or later, those in the streets and the marketplace and their gossip and conversations, got around to talking about Jesus, the rabbi, the healer. Those who had lived in distant nations had never seen him, but they had heard about him, and they wanted to see him. Will he come to the Passover? Will he be here? That was the big question. His enemies were hoping he wouldn't, and there were some who had seen him work miracles, and so many talked about the way he spoke. They said one time when the rulers sent soldiers to arrest him, they came back without him, and the rulers said, where is he? Why didn't you bring him to us? And the reply was, we never heard any man speak like this. There was an authority about him that no one could deny. Would he come to Jerusalem on this Passover celebration? Mark chapter 11 presents what we call Palm Sunday in an abbreviated way. As they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent to his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you enter, you will see a colt tied, on which no man as yet has ever sat. Untie him and bring it to me. <clears throat> and if anyone says to you, Why are you doing it? Say to them, The Lord has need of it. And he immediately will send it back here. The two disciples went away, found a colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. And the bystanders were saying, Why are you untying the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had told them, and they permitted them. 
and they brought the colt to Jesus. They laid their coats upon it, and he sat on it. And many began spreading their coats in the roadway, and others spreading leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna to God in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem. He went into the temple. And when he had looked about at everything, he went to Bethany with his twelve apostles because it was already late in the day. Now Matthew and Luke and John add many more details. Some give a more elaborate description, but that's Matthew's brief account. This morning we want to make the journey with Jesus to Jerusalem. And our journey begins several weeks before. Jesus had been in Perea. He had been teaching. He had been ministering. When word came to him, your friend Lazarus is sick. He delayed a little bit, and then Jesus made the trip to Bethany where Lazarus and his sisters Mary and Martha lived, friends of Jesus. Also, a, a man Jesus had healed from leprosy lived there. And as he approached the village... Martha saw him coming from a distance, and she rushed up to him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus said, your brother shall rise again. Oh, I know he will rise again at the last days at the resurrection. Jesus said, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live he that believeth in me shall live and never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, I believe. You're the Messiah. Martha then spoke to her sister Mary who came to Jesus and she fell down with the same thing. If you had been here, my brother had not died. And Jesus saw her weeping. The Greek really says wailing. <laughs> And he saw the Jews wailing. And Jesus wept. And some said, Oh, see how much he loved him. But others said, This man who had restored sight to the blind, surely he could have been here and God would have given him what he asked. Jesus said, Where have you laid him? And as he approached the tomb again, the weeping, the wailing, he was troubled in his spirit as he saw the grief among these who were Lazarus' family and friends. As he came to the tomb, which was a cave, roll away the stone, he said. Martha, the more practical one, said, Lord, He's been dead four days. If we roll away that stone, there's going to be a stench attacked your nostrils you don't want to hear. Dare I inject some humor here? 
few years ago, I was traveling from Tulsa to Oklahoma City to some kind of a meeting. I think Kenny uh, Martin and I were traveling together, and we had on the radio a broadcast by Braxton B. Sawyer from Fort Smith, Arkansas, a real old-time fundamentalist preacher. He is one of these men that punctuated every phrase with, praise God, praise God, praise God, and and, and, and Mary came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you had been here, he would have died. Praise God. And they said, and praise God, he stinketh. <laughs> Quoting the King James. <laughs> Jesus said, didn't I tell you you're going to see the glory of God? Roll away the stone. And they did. And he stood before the mouth of that cave and cried out, Lazarus, come forth. And suddenly that flesh that had been decaying for four days became vibrant with life. The body that had been laying on the slab sat up, stood up, and walked out. Already he was alive and healthy and vibrant, but the grave clothes, which probably did stink, were still upon him, and Jesus said, untie him, and they did so. Now there were people there that day who for the first time began to really believe in Jesus. But there were others who were blinded by religious prejudice who rushed back to Jerusalem to tell Jesus' enemies about what had happened. And they began to renew and accelerate their plot to kill him. Some then even plotted to kill Lazarus because they couldn't have him hanging around. Jesus and his disciples left Bethany they went north to the small village of Ephraim near the wilderness of Jeshimon. We don't know how long they stayed there, but they stayed there for an extended time in retreat and prayer and meditation. And then it was time to return to Berea and finish the ministry that Jesus had interrupted to come to Bethany and raise Lazarus. And so they traveled along a well-traveled road. The road bordered Samaria and Galilee. And as they came to a certain village just before they entered it, from a distance there were ten lepers that cried out, Jesus, have mercy on us. As you know, by Mosaic law, if anyone had leprosy, he could no longer live in the village. He had to live outside of town. And so lepers would gather together and form a leper colony. And here outside of this village, there was such a colony. And ten lepers lived there. And one was a Samaritan. You see, in times of suffering, ethnic differences pass away. Jesus, have mercy on us. Now, according to Mosaic law, if anyone was ever healed from leprosy, the first thing he had to do was to show himself to the priest. The priest would expect his, inspect his body from head to toe and say, indeed, he's healed. And then he could return into society. Interesting, instead of Jesus healing these lepers, he said, go show yourself to the priest. 
And they obeyed because they trusted. And as they went on their way, they suddenly were healed. Isn't that a great lesson for us? Obey and trust. The song we sang, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Jesus and his disciples then walked a short distance, and one of these lepers, the Samaritan, came back and fell at his feet with gratitude. Jesus said, were there not ten cleansed? <laughs> Where are the nine? I'll tell you what, that episode rebukes me a little bit. I just don't have enough gratitude. This strikes me sometimes in the morning as I sit in the sunroom with my bowl of steel cut oats and milk on it and olive oil on it and a little bit of cinnamon applesauce on it and raisin walnut toast from Brahms with some of Laura Grinnell's marmalade on it, and sometimes I put the honey ginger tea that the Doe's gave me as marmalade as a little something different, <laughs> and a glass of milk. And I think about a video I saw of Franklin Graham in a refugee camp in Bangladesh. Thousands of people short of water diphtheria, the children are sick. And here I sit in a pleasant room with a bowl of oatmeal. Oh God, how blessed I am. It is impossible for me to ever express to God the gratitude for the life I live compared to what so many in the world live, they could never dream of the life that I live. Jesus and his disciples then continued on to Berea. They spent some time there. <clears throat> and some of the most significant ministry and teaching that Jesus gave that's recorded in the Gospels took place in this setting. Very extended teaching about the second coming. Discussion with a Pharisee on the topic of divorce. Great teaching about prayer, about the unjust judge. I'm sure you're familiar with this. All of these are recorded in Luke 17. This is the place where, when he was teaching one day, some women brought their babies and wanted Jesus to bless them. And the disciples said, no, don't bother the master. He's, he, what he's doing is too important. And Jesus stopped his teaching and said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Can't you just picture our God picking up those babies and sitting them on his lap and blessing them? It was in Perea during this time that a young man came to Jesus and said, Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, You know the commandments. And they recited, Do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not disrespect your parents, and so on. Oh, I know, Lord. I've, I've kept all these from my youth up. Jesus looked him in the eye and said, You lack one thing. 
sell all you have and give the money to the poor and then come and follow me. And the man went away sorrowing because he was very rich. There's nothing wrong with being rich, but it's wrong when you love your money more than you love Jesus or the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, It is as difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven as it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. The disciples said, Lord, that's impossible, isn't it? (laughs) And Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. There are other wonderful teachings he gave on this occasion, or rather during this time. And then the week, two weeks prior to the Passover, it was time to head to Jerusalem. And so they moved slightly west to the Jericho Road. The Jericho Road was a road that ran from Galilee on the eastern side of the Jordan River, passing Samaria rather than going through it, all the way down to Jericho. And so they came to this road and began to walk south. The road quickly became crowded with pilgrims, people from Galilee joining, people from Perea joining, a very, very crowded road as the pilgrims were walking to Jerusalem. On Wednesday, Jesus began to have a very stern look on his face. It was a look that was so stern that the disciples were afraid to even be close to him. And so they walked a distance behind, and he walked ahead. Toward the end of that day, he turned to them and took them aside, possibly built a campfire, at least in my mind that's what they did, and they sat around and Jesus began to talk to them. He said, we're going to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered to the scribes and Pharisees, and they will convict him and hand him over to the Gentiles. The Gentiles will mock him, spit upon him, whip him, and kill him. And the third day he'll rise again. Suddenly, (laughs) mine just felt discombobulated. (laughs) What's he talking about? What's all this death stuff? He promised us that we're going to sit on 12 thrones. The kingdom of God is going to be established. What's this death stuff? And then suddenly, totally out of character for the moment, something else happened. As they had been journeying on the Jericho Road, among the pilgrims from Galilee had been Jesus' aunt, Mary's sister. She was the mother of James and John. And as they were sitting around and everyone was trying to discuss this this latest statement Jesus had made, she approached and said, "Uh, Master, now, when you come to your kingdom, you said that your disciples are going to sit on 12 thrones. 
let my boys, James and John, have the chief seats right next to you, one on the right hand, one on the left. <laughs> Jesus then gave a very interesting <laughs> figurative reply. And then he said, these are not mine to give. <laughs> they belong to the Father in heaven. But all of a sudden, a lot of angry speech broke out. As the other disciples said, that's not fair. You're trying to use the fact that you're a blood relative, that you're going to get the chief seats. We can hear Peter saying, look, he said to me, I give to you the keys of the kingdom. I ought to have that seat. And a great controversy was taking place. And Jesus stilled it by giving a teaching on servant leadership, that he who is last shall be first, and so on. The next morning they journeyed on and came to the Jerusalem road. This is where the Jericho road and the Jerusalem road met one another in junction. The, the Jerusalem road went straight west to Jerusalem. And so they turned and began walking on that road. And now it was even more crowded because people from the south and people from the east had come to that same junction and as they were going along, the crowd was talking about Jesus, Jesus, look who's here. There was a blind man named Bartimaeus who was beside the road begging. And he asked, what's all the commotion? Someone said, it's Jesus passing by. The blind man, Bartimaeus, they were now at the old city of Jericho, which had been destroyed you remember during the conquest of Joshua. And so blind Bartimaeus made his way around the outside of the ruins. And along the way he met another blind man. And they came out on the other side. And they got there just as Jesus was coming out of those ruins and continuing to head west. And Bartimaeus, realizing Jesus again had just passed by, cried out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus restored sight to the two blind men, and they joined the crowd to follow Jesus. Now, west of the ruins... Throughout history, various leaders had built another Jericho. In the time of Christ, it was a Jericho that had been built by Herod. Actually, Herod had a, had a winter palace there. And so as they approached this city, New Jericho, the crowds were packed, they were jammed, and word had gotten ahead, Jesus is coming. Everybody was in the street, and as Jesus entered the city, began to go down the main drag, so to speak. <laughs> he looked up in the sycamore tree, and there was a little man, a man that everybody in town hated. <laughs> he was a tax collector. Now, the way taxes were collected in the Roman Empire was when the government decided they need a certain amount of money in on which to operate, they therefore would put out bids to tax collecting companies to come and bid for the job. And those that gave the largest bid, of course, got it. And then 
they would, these companies would divide the Roman Empire into various provinces, and they would put people over that, and then each of these would apply people locally. And so the local tax collector would go door to door and assess taxes on people. His boss above him needed to get this much. He would not only get that much, but a little more for himself. The people above that needed more, and so each man along the way just kind of kept a little bit. Everybody hated Zacchaeus because he was that local tax collector and they had no choice but to pay what he told them they owed. And not only that, he was an agent of the Roman government. Jesus looked at him and made a startling statement. Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to go stay at your house. Don't you know the crowd got upset by that? Zacchaeus was so stunned. He said, Lord, anything I've gotten dishonest, I'll pay back, pay back fourfold. You know the story. And Jesus said one of the most important things he ever said. He said concerning Zacchaeus, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Zacchaeus certainly was one of those. He dined with Zacchaeus, spent the night there, and the next morning headed out toward Jerusalem. The crowds now were greater, and everyone was excited. Jesus was going to enter Jerusalem, drive out the Romans. The kingdom of David was going to be established. But it was... Friday late in the afternoon, and the Sabbath would begin at sunset. And so rather than pressing on to the city, Jesus stopped, and they went aside to Bethany, the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, where the miracle had been worked weeks before. They spent the Sabbath day there in rest. That night, Simon a man whom Jesus had healed from leprosy, had a banquet in Jesus' honor after sunset. The Sabbath ended on sunset Saturday evening. And you recall that the manner in which people dined at that time was not sitting in chairs, but they reclined on couches. You'd recline on your left arm and eat with your right hand and your feet out behind you so there were couches all the way around. That's the way it was in the upper room where John was here leaning back on Jesus and Jesus would have leaned back on Judas. In the midst of this dinner as they were reclining, Mary came into the room and knelt before Jesus and with tears she had in her hand an alabaster box filled with a very expensive ointment. She broke the container and poured the ointment on the feet of Jesus, and with her long hair, wiped his feet. Judas, the treasurer who carried the bag, what a waste! This could have been sold and the money given to the poor. Scriptures tell us he didn't care a whit about the poor, but he was embezzling, <laughs> and he wanted more money in the bag. Jesus said, let her alone. The poor you always have with you, 
but she has anointed me for my burial. They spent the night. The next morning, they arose to continue their journey to Jerusalem. By now, the crowds were even greater. Some had gone to Bethany and spent the night where Jesus had spent the Sabbath there. Now they were there. Word had gone ahead that Jesus was coming, and crowds were pouring out of Jerusalem. It was, it was an amazing time, a time of celebration. And as Mark records, which we recited early, Jesus stopped. Now, Bethany was uh, one in three, 9,090 feet from Jerusalem, about a mile and three quarters. They were by the village of Bethpage, which was about a half a mile from Jerusalem. And Jesus stopped and sent his disciples in. And you know, we already accounted how they brought the donkey to him. Now, other scriptures tell us there were two donkeys. There was the she-ash, she-ass, and her colt. And so they led the mother so the colt would come along and be well-behaved, but Jesus sat on the colt. And then they proceeded on to Jerusalem. Bethpage was located just at the bottom of the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives, a very gentle slope. And so they started up the slope, the path veered to the left, and as they came out on the top, below they could see the city of Jerusalem. And Jesus looked at it. He saw the gleaming temple of Herod glistening in the afternoon sun. Hundreds and hundreds of people pouring out of the city across the brook Kidron to come and meet him. And the crowds behind and the shouts and the shouts and the shouts. And Jesus stopped and wept. He looked 37 years to the future when the Romans would lay siege to the city destroy it. People would be starving. Actually, one Roman soldier reported that he entered a house and found a woman that had just eaten her baby because in the siege they were starving. And Jesus said, the time will come where there will not be one stone laid upon another because you, even you, did not know your day of visitation. His words echoed what he had said about a year before when he was getting ready to come to Jerusalem and some Pharisees tried to stop him. On that occasion, he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest those that have sent unto thee, how often would I gather thee unto me as a chicken gathereth her chicks under her wings. But you would not, henceforth your house is left unto you desolate. And so his statement on this occasion was an echo of that. Think of the crowd that was coming out of Jerusalem and those that around Jesus. 
Who were they? Well, obviously, some are in a holiday spirit. <laughs> and just about anything the crowd would do, they would do. <laughs> Whoopee! <laughs> These were the very ones who five days later cried out, crucify him. Whatever the crowd was doing is what they did. I wonder sometimes, those of us who have grown up in church culture, how serious is it really? <laughs> Are we just going along with what we've always known? His enemies were there. <laughs> Matter of fact, one of them said, Master, tell, tell your disciples to be quiet. Jesus said, I tell you, if these are silent, the very stones will cry out. <laughs> they didn't like what was happening. There were some there who thought, finally, we're going to be able to use Jesus what we always wanted to use him for. These were those who wanted to get rid of the Romans and establish the kingdom of David. On one occasion, remember, they actually tried to crown Jesus. He's backed up to a cliff. They were either going to crown him or push him off the cliff. <laughs> he refused the crown, and in a, again, the authority of the person, he just walked out of their midst untouched. You can hear that in the cry of those who shouted, Blessed be the coming kingdom of our father David. Finally, it's going to happen. Does that happen to us today? <laughs> Jesus is not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. <laughs> so often we want somehow to use him 